Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. Today we are continuing season one of the all new, all different View from the Couch. We're in phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, having previously done Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. Now we're on to Iron Man 2, which is the only film in that first series, that that first phase, that's what they call it, that got a sequel of its own. That is correct. Because phase phase one is... is Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Cap, Avengers. Yeah, six movies. Six movies. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's also the only one besides Guardians of the Galaxy to just have a number after the name. But Guardians of the Galaxy is different because they do volume one and volume two. This is just Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Iron Mm -hmm. Man 3. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is the only other one. All the other ones are subtitled. Right. In some way, shape, or form. So, interesting. Did you see this one in theaters? I'm trying to pin down when when you first started going to theaters. I want to see what your experiences were because I'm curious. I want to know what what really drew you in the first time. I am not even going to be able to tell you. I have not a clue which one I saw first. So you never saw this in theaters. I don't know. You don't know if you I saw have this. No in idea. <laughs> I don't know. But do you do you do remember having seen this when what it, what did it come out? Fourteen years ago now. Yes. Yeah, 2010, right? 14 yes. years ago. Yep. So you saw it 14 years ago, or you saw it more recent than that? You don't know? I saw it a long time ago. I've seen this five, six times. Maybe. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, you, you I've do seen do this the, a lot. The movie watch through, the right. Marvel Cinematic watch throughs a lot, or did watch them a lot for a while About there. About once a year to two years. Yeah. 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 Or I'll do, sometimes I'll do watch throughs like with, Guardians of the Galaxy, when volume three came out, I mm. watched the first two. One, two, three, sure. I didn't like go back and rewatch everything mm. up till then. I just watched the first two. Or Makes sense. Know. Did you do that with Avengers when, when Endgame was coming out? Do you, I don't remember. When Endgame came out, I did the complete rewatch. You rewatched everything. I okay. rewatched everything. Yeah, I couldn't remember if you had or not, but I, I do know that you will go back and you'll rewatch what I thought was all of it, but it turns out that's not always, not always the case, but... Right, yeah. yeah, and and it's not like I'm just sitting watching movies all the time. I'm usually doing a puzzle sure, or I'm working or something. I just, it's a lot of movies to watch. It takes up a lot of time, so it's it's kind of just background noise for me. Sure, Jen. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. It's hard for me to just sit and watch movies anymore. Like just to sit for two and a half, three hours. Yeah. I have a harder time now for some reason. My brain starts wandering like, oh, I got to remember to look at this email tomorrow or I got to remember to respond to that thing tomorrow, you know? (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Fair enough. I I saw this in theaters when it came out. I I made a pact with myself back when, oh God, I want to say when the X-Men movie first came out, the very first one. So back in 2000, I said, you know, I'm going to go and see every comic book movie that comes out because I want to support this idea that they're putting my favorite things on the on the screen you know mm-hmm. so I did I saw this in theaters when it first came out and I remember not being super impressed with it I remember thinking to myself well this felt like a bit of a downgrade instead of an upgrade you know in this movie most sequels are I yeah. think and not quite as good as the original yeah yeah i mean that stands that, that stands there there are exceptions to that rule absolutely but but yeah more often than not it tends to be you know mm-hmm. that as that being the case Which doesn't that speak to 
the enjoyment of having an original story told. Most people like that original story more than they like the sequels and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I, I think inherently sequels become derivative, and when you have a a comic book movie, comic books are derivative. I mean, there's nothing. There, there's probably a ten year cycle in comics where they'll just go back and they're basically going to sell tell, sell you the same story again, but just framed differently. But it's still the same mm-hmm. story, you know, mm-hmm. and at least at least long running sequential comic books do that obviously stuff that's miniseries or whatever is not going to have that problem but the problem is also prevalent in film where mm-hmm. you know the more you, the longer it goes on the more derivative it becomes which is what more my problem is right now with the marvel movies mm-hmm. is that they are just so much of it's more of the same especially when you get a big company like disney involved mm-hmm. they just they know what works and they're like all right we're just gonna keep pressing repeat we're just mm-hmm. keep reset go 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 make money make money make money you know that's it yeah until it's not going to make money and right. then maybe they'll rethink it i suppose yeah yeah or they'll put it in the quote unquote vault <laughs> to make yeah. it to make it more like appealing or whatever right we can get to disney later i don't they don't come in until phase two so yep. Yep. whatever the leader of the Avengers, the mouse, Mickey. He's <laughs> a, he becomes the leader of the Avengers. So. Well, I don't, I don't want to share more about the character that I know because I have limited you know, knowledge of the character because and I really didn't And you kind of talked it. about and it I, in the first Iron Man movie we covered too. Right, yeah, that's what I was going to say is that you know, anybody that's been listening for a while here just you know, they'll know that, that, that I already talked about that, but... Suffice to say, I don't have a huge background with Iron Man. I know him from certain interactions with other characters. I know him from like big crossovers, but I don't know a lot about the character other than like the big stuff. You know, there are mm-hmm. people out there that I'm sure are Iron Man scholars like I feel like I'm an X-Men scholar, but I am not one of them. So mm-hmm. Sure. So, we'll just forego that for the most part here. I will interject when I do know, you know, something here or there um, that is, you know, related to the, the story that we're talking about. But why don't you give us the cast and crew and then we'll, we'll talk about that story. All right. This was once again directed by John Favreau. It was written by Justin Thoreau. I was a little surprised by this. I know Justin Thoreau from an HBO TV series called The Leftovers and he stars in that. I mean, he is that was... about Thanksgiving or is that? No. <laughs> It is a fantastic series. Oh, yeah? It is really good. Yeah. But I, okay. I looked him up because I was like, I didn't realize he also did writing. Mm-hmm. And he helped write Tropic Thunder, Rock of Ages, and Zoolander 2. Okay, so two of those are movies that I would not put on my resume if I was this guy. <laughs> One of them is Tropic Thunder. So <laughs> Tropic Thunder is a fantastic movie. Very, very funny. Very, very well done. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he was the main writer, if he was just a helped write it, because there were several writers. So I don't know how yeah. much of that he wrote. But well, I would so. just thought that was interesting. So yeah, that um, is pretty interesting. Like that, up. I didn't know anything about him. Honestly, mm-hmm. I thought I for some reason I thought he was like a boy band guy or something. Well, he was married to Jennifer Aniston for a while. Is that why I know him? That might be. I mean, I know a name. I don't know anything about I think him. She but married I just... him after Brad Pitt. I think that was after Brad Pitt. I'm not I'm not like know. the type of person that like obsesses over celebrity culture or any of that mm-hmm. shit, but it seeps into everything. Like mm-hmm. there are people like I know I know things about Taylor Swift because 
people talk <laughs> about it around me and my brain just absorbs it. And I don't actively go out and, and look for that stuff, but I do remember Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt being together. Mm-hmm. I don't remember them being together, this this Justin Thoreau guy. I couldn't pinpoint him. I couldn't pick him out of a I, lineup if I had to. You know? uh, honestly, I think they were pretty private. I don't think they were in the news a ton, so I... I'm sure there's a reason for that. But again, also now with Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and all the other social media out there, yeah. I mean, everything is right in front of your face and at your fingertips at any any given time. So. That is very true. All right. So moving on, we have Robert Downey Jr. back as Tony Stark. Now, you'll remember him from the very first Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did not change actors. Right. Not that one. Gwyneth Paltrow is back as Pepper Potts. Mm-hmm. Don Cheadle comes back in. as uh, Rhodey, right? No. He oh, he's replaced, not back? what the heck was the guy's name? Terrence Howard. Thank you. I, I was like, I know what it is. That's what I'm here for. I'm just here to help <laughs> you remember names. He replaces Terrence Howard as James Rhodes or Rhodey. Do you know why they replaced him? There's different stories out there. One is that John Favreau said that he was just absolutely ridiculous to work with. Oh, and an they Edward were, Norton situation. And they were going to cut his appearance back in Iron Man 2, so cut it down. Oh, they were going to keep then, him but make it like much less than what it was. Right. Okay. But then Terrence Howard has said that they changed his contract and he was going to make a lot less money. So that way they could pay Robert Downey Jr. more is what he has said. Hmm. So I think there's just background baloney going on and they just decided to replace him. So I tend to believe the worker. I believe 100% that Marvel would cut one guy's salary to pay another oh, guy Oh, I more. believe that. And I also believe, though, too, that John Favreau was, would be like, well, he was kind of difficult to work with, so we're just going to cut his scenes back. So the Edward so Norton So I down. could see both yeah. things being true. I mean, sure. it doesn't mean one's right, one's wrong. They could both be very true. Right, so and yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, so here's the, here's the other thing is this is now the second in, in a second character – that or the, he's actually the first character that gets mm-hmm. replaced. Banner is the second character that re- gets replaced, and we're still talking about Kang. Yeah. Why the hell aren't they just going to recast him? I I don't know. They why. replaced two people right off the bat. One of them was a major character, mm-hmm. not a side character, a yeah. major friggin' character. Mm-hmm. Why can't they replace Kang? I I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if there's something written in a contract somewhere that they're not wanting to do i don't know i, I no will idea. die on this hill they sh- if they don't if they don't just recast kang that's going to be the end of like this phase nobody's going to give two shits about this at that point no because i think their their story is going to get very muddled they they had a vision and that seems to be when they do excel is they have a vision they yes. have a clear not necessarily every detail, but mm-hmm. you know your backbone is there, right. and this is where we want from A to Z. This is where we're going. How we get there, the directors and the writers have a little leeway to mm-hmm. how you get there. Yeah. Um. But the last phase, whatever the heck that was, three or four, I don't remember. What's the last one that just ended? The one that just ended is um, phase four. Phase four. Yeah. That that one I felt was all over the place, which I've mentioned before. I feel like they didn't really have a lot of clear guidance on how they wanted to get from the end of the last one to the beginning of the new one. So 
Um, anyways, moving on. Yeah. We have Scarlett Johansson coming in as Black Widow or Natasha Romanoff. Or uh, Natalie... Uh, Natalie Rushman. Rushman, yeah. Sam Rockwell is here as Justin Hammer. You had said that he was originally going to be one of the... He was one of the people that was considered for Tony Stark, right? Right, right. He was considered yeah. for Tony Stark, yep. Mickey Rourke is in as Ivan Vanko. Samuel L. Jackson comes back as Nick Fury. And Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson. Good old Agent Coulson. He's kind of a solid through phase one. Phase one, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a little disappointed in that because they do bring him back for Agents of Shield. They should have just brought him back into the movies because watching these again, Coulson feels like a an interesting presence to have. I he could have been the he could have been the liaison between Shield and the Avengers. Yeah, I you know? I really like his character. He, he's not over in it. But yeah. what he is in it seems important and mm-hmm. kind of helps us transition places. Mm-hmm. Um, I he's, think he's an important character as yeah. a assistant to Nick Fury. So yeah, yeah he's so. he's he's understated too. I think Clark Gregg plays him understated, and I love that about it. Mm-hmm. That he's not like this, you know, man of action type person. That's like, oh, he's definitely blah blah blah. You know, he's definitely gonna you know take charge of the situation. He's the mm-hmm. person that you would not assume would be the one that would take charge of the situation, but ends up being the one that takes charge of the situation, right? Right, yeah. right, yeah. So. yeah. All right, let's talk about the story here. All right, so the movie opens in Russia shortly after Tony Stark has announced himself as Iron Man to the American press. Russian physicist and tattoo fanatic Ivan Vanko builds a miniature arc reactor based off of the blueprints that his late father, a former Stark Industries employee named Anton Vanko, left for Ivan after he died. All right, so Mickey Rourke had a lot to do with how this character looked and Mm -hmm. talked. So he had a lot of input on this. He wanted to perform the role as Russian. He consulted on characters' tattoos and gold teeth. So he like he. I, what I was reading is he like went to Russia, yeah. met with people, saw what was done. You know what people look like, wow. how they talked. So he really got into this. It was also his idea to have the pet bird, <laughs> and he <laughs> actually paid for the bird and the teeth out of his own pocket. Now. What's interesting about that is that if you know anything about Mickey Rourke and the kind of actor that he is, he is very much a method actor like that. And everything that I've ever seen him in, from the stuff in the 80s to his stuff like The Wrestler and that sort of thing, he's very much absorbed into these characters. You almost forget that it's Mickey Rourke, at least early on. Now he looks kind of very individual looks mm-hmm. very very individualistic so i love this character i think it's a i think it's a it's underdeveloped. interesting interesting the, character yeah the character's underdeveloped i think i think that the thing for me is that vanko could be a really cool character mm-hmm. but they kind of make him they kind of shove they shove him off to the side for the most part mm-hmm. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like we don't his motivations are basically Stark betrayed my dad, and now my dad's dead because he was in the gulag. Mm-hmm. Now I want revenge. Yeah. And that's boring. There's so much more to this character, or there could be more to this character. Oh, sure. Absolutely. If they would have allowed it. The, I think, 
we'll get to it. We'll okay. get to it. When okay. we go through, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of point out certain things about the character that don't make sense or um, that that probably could have used a little bit more work. And I, I, I firmly blame this on the writing. I think this is one of the weakest films in this first arc of Avengers movies. In mm-hmm. fact, it might be the weakest film in the Avengers, mm-hmm. the first phase. But we'll we'll get there. So six months after this big reveal as Iron Man, Tony has become something of a media superstar, and he uses his newfound celebrity to continue his father's legacy by revitalizing the Stark Expo, which was something that his dad did. It's in New York, and it is a year-long expo. Now, that's a hell of an expo. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Tony is reserved in his private life, though, because he finds out that the palladium core in the arc reactor that he uses to both keep himself alive and to power the suit is actually killing him. He's being poisoned by it. The usually resourceful Stark is kind of at a loss for a replacement, and he keeps his illness from everyone. He doesn't tell anybody that he's sick. Nobody knows, but S.H.I.E.L.D. knows. Uh, Okay. Yes, S.H.I.E.L.D. knows because Natalie's there. She's a good spy. She's good at her job. Yeah, she is. I find it weird that Stark, being as smart as he is, can't figure this out, but yet S.H.I.E.L.D. can figure it out on how to help him. (laughs) S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't figure it out. Tony figures it out. Tony figures out how to how to fix it. Yeah. All that all that Shield did was they gave him more time. The shot yeah. that Natalie gives him later, or Ta- Natasha gives him later, is is not a. It's just a band aid. It's not the cure. Right. But so, he didn't couldn't figure out a band aid even. He's not looking for a band aid. Yeah. He's only looking for the cure, and the band aid gives him enough time to find the cure, um, and he finds it in his father's research, which. You know, we'll get to, but... So, I have a question right off the bat here, though. Because Tony, in his Iron Man suit, jumps out of a plane to make his entrance at the Stark Expo. What does Tony need with a plane? Tony flies in his Stark armor, right? In his Iron Man armor. Why is he jumping out of a plane? What's the point of that? There wasn't, like, a flyover first. He's just jumping out of a plane. Maybe he was coming from overseas? No, I'm not buying that because he can fly anywhere in the world and still have plenty of power. I, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I it doesn't no make idea. any sense <laughs> at all. It was silly, but here we are. Yeah. So he, as he gets more and more worried about his impending death or what he views as his impending death, Tony starts to act out and he goes to a U.S. Senate hearing or gets a subpoenaed to a U.S. Senate hearing about his Iron Man armor, and he ends up taunting the senator who's questioning him, and he tells the government that they can't have his Iron Man tech. He auditions for the Secretary of Defense. <laughs> he says <Yeah>. that he, <laughs> if you really want me to work for you, I'll, I'll take Secretary of Defense. Interesting point. Tony, after Civil War in the comics, actually became the Secretary of Defense. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I kind of like how he has the ability to find this tech or find these videos and manipulate the tech to kind of show his point of, you know, nobody's even close to coming up with yeah. this stuff and he kind of embarrasses But he's wrong, right? He is wrong. Yeah. But he embarrasses Justin Hammer, who Justin Hammer is terrible at his job and he's just trying to make a buck even though all of his stuff sucks. 
He's an asshole warmonger, really, yeah. but yeah. but Tony embarrassing him like that was kind of was that even called for? Like, what's the point of doing that? I I don't know that he needed to necessarily call yeah. him out like that. He could have just shown his stuff and been like, "Look, this isn't working." Not necessarily call him out. I don't know. I I think it is good fuel for what drives Justin Hammer later. Well, Tony creates his own yeah. problems. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's really what he's always done is he creates his own problems. Mm-hmm. The Palladium Core, Justin Hammer, Killian, whatever that guy's name is from Iron Man 3, he created that too. Mm-hmm. He created the situation with the Avengers, right? That's at least that's what he thinks. The Chitari invasion. He blames himself for that. Takes responsibility for that. Yeah. Later. Well, that's not his fault, though. No, it's not. But he, like, a lot of these things he's created himself. Yeah. Tony well, is Tony's the problem, to be honest with you. At this point, he's still very arrogant. He does get better later, but right now he still has, he's just, a very arrogant individual and doesn't really think about what his actions are doing for others or doing to others, you know? Yeah. He's very stuck on himself. Mm -hmm. He's very cocksure as they say. Mm -hmm. So, uh, he also promotes pepper to CEO of Stark industries because he knows he's going to die or he thinks he's going to die and he wants her to be in charge of it. Pepper promotes a Stark employee named Natalie Rushman, who we will find out is the Black Widow or Natasha Romanoff, to be her assistant. She's helping her with, like, signing the paperwork. And when we first meet her, she's signing the paperwork, or she's going to be, like, the notary to watch the paperwork get signed for Pepper to be the CEO and Tony to step down. Mm-hmm. We also get the first clue that she's not probably just another Stark employee when she takes Happy down in a boxing ring. Yeah. I really like that scene. I really I, like that I scene. do like Happy's and Natasha's interactions through this movie. Yeah, yeah. Because Happy isn't prepared for how good she is at what she does, yeah. you know? He underestimates her every step of the way. Right. Which, I mean, that I'm going to say it, but that's what guys tend to do, right? They tend to underestimate mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. But this woman is not just good at her job. She's like like a fucking super spy, right? So mm-hmm. like that's the last person you want to fucking underestimate. But he does it anyway because guys being guys. So. Right, right. Tony travels to is it Monaco or Monaco? I think it's Monaco, I right? It's Monaco. It, yeah. It's not. It's not Monaco. No. It looks like Monaco. No. But I, I'll just say I'll just say Monaco. Yeah. And I'm, I'm keeping this in here, just so, so you okay. know. I'm not, I'm not cutting it. I just want to <laughs> clarify that in my brain, it looks like Monaco, but it's Monaco. I am pretty are getting, sure. It's... Are we getting confused now? Because now I'm starting to, rem- I'm starting to think that maybe, maybe <laughs> I was saying it right the first time. Nah, I'm not. I know. I know what it is. Fine. Tony travels to Monaco, where he competes in the Grand Prix there. Unexpectedly, nobody is expecting him. To jump into the driver's seat. You see the driver that's supposed to be driving? He is pissed yeah, he's mad. off. And this, again, is Tony being very arrogant. He's Tony not, acting out is what he's doing. Yeah, he's not thinking about what this does to anybody else or how this affects anybody else. That too. But I think he's doing this because 
he is he thinks he's dying. He thinks he's gonna die. Right. And he wants to be able to have done this beforehand. He figures he's the owner of it. He's gonna drive the race car, right? Yeah. Does he have experience driving a race car, first of all? I have no idea. But my <laughs> question is, does this mean that anybody that wants to can enter that race? I thought this was like a prestigious race. Can anybody just walk up and say, I'm getting in this car and I'm gonna go? Let's go to France and find like, out. Is there is there any kind of like licensing or stuff you have to prove or races you have to win or like something you have to do how, to get to that point. Yeah. How do you get to this Grand Prix? Right? Like yeah. what's what's the qualifier for that? Is or I suppose just, if I you're money? just rich enough you can just buy your way into anything, I suppose. I suppose. And well we know that they can do that. Yeah. So. so he is attacked in the middle of the racetrack by Ivan Venko, who is now wearing an electrified a set of electrified whips that are powered by the arc reactor that he created. Tony is attacked in the middle of the racetrack by Ivan Venko, who now is wielding electrified whips that are powered by this arc reactor that he had created. I How does he know Tony's driving the car? Yes, I, this this whole thing has problems because he has no idea who's driving this car. How does he get to just walk right out onto the racetrack, an active racetrack? Right, unless if he was just going to go after a car and it just so happens to be. But he did get a different car first. He hit the other car, and then it was Tony's after that. But he didn't even know that that was Tony's. Was he there just to fuck shit up and then... Maybe. Maybe sh hope that Iron Man was going to show up because Tony was there? That could be. Maybe he knew Tony Stark was there. He was just going to go create havoc with the cars and then hope Iron Man was going to fly in to save the day and then he'd get him. But it just seems like a huge coincidence that Tony just happens to be in the second car that comes up on him. That would make sense if he doesn't walk straight towards the second car, because mm -hmm. how would he recognize Stark with this helmet on? Mm -hmm. He wouldn't. No. He goes straight after that second car after he's after he destroys it. He oh. goes after it before Tony takes his helmet off. Yeah, although it was in the news. I mean, they were showing it all over the news. That's how Pepper Potts knew that Tony was driving the car. They were with him, though. No, they weren't. They were at they a were, restaurant. They were in yes, but they were in Monaco, right? Right. They were in Monaco. And so I think I don't know how he knew that Iron Man was going to be in mm. Monaco, I guess. There's that too. But as far as in that car, it was on the news. So if if there was just a TV on, he could have seen that. So maybe it just happened to work out in his favor that he's like, oh, Tony's going to be in that car there. So I don't have to worry about just getting any car and then hoping he'll come because he's going to be driving right up the road. But then he did still get that other car first. So right. I don't know. The whole thing I thought, too, was like, OK, I'm not really sure how he just so happens to be in the right spot at right. the right time. Right. But the whip thing was cool. Also, um, Mickey Rourke had a hard time getting the timing of the whip swings down. Mm -hmm. And so they played Gnarls Barkley's Crazy while filming so he could match to the rhythm of that song. <laughs> okay. Weird. Because <laughs> that's the speed they wanted him to go, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So my problem, I want to go back to this, though, because my problem with this is that this was a spur-of-the-moment decision that Tony made. And yes, it was on the news, but it was only, like, a brief moment of it being on the news, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Not even his closest friends knew that he was going to do this. Not even the driver knew he was going to do this. 
Vanko is there, all dressed up, as crew for the race and ready to walk out onto the track. Like he knows that Stark is there. The way it plays is he knows that that's Tony Stark. That's what it seems like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. Stark suits up as Iron Man and defeats Vanko, but Vanko tells him that his real plan was to show everyone that Iron Man is not invincible. First of all, the comic book is called The Invincible Iron Man, which I thought was cool. However, that was his big plan. His big plan was to show, show everyone that Iron Man could be defeated. To what end? I don't know. What was the plan after that? Take over the world? <laughs> Maybe. But here's the thing. Nobody comes for Tony. Other than Vanko himself. Mm -hmm. And even then, he doesn't do it until he gets busted out of jail. Mm -hmm. Right? Nobody comes after him. Unless you're going to follow it up with a lot of, you know, would-be villains coming after him, what's the point of exposing Iron Man as not invincible? And by the way, if he wasn't invincible, he wouldn't have defeated you. Right. He still kicked your ass. Yeah. He still won. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, you're, it's not that he's not invincible. It's just that you can surprise him. Mm-hmm. Or you know where he is at all times? How the, what the fuck? Right? Like, how does, it doesn't make any sense. This whole interaction with Tony and Vanko at first don't, doesn't make sense. And this is where I start to have problems with the character. His motivations are clear, but his methods are muddy as hell. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. His big plan to get back at Stark only works if I'm Hammer bears you on TV. <laughs> that too. But it only but the but the but the later plan only works if Hammer busts him out of jail or if he somehow gets out of jail. What was his plan? Oh, he didn't have a plan. He was just going to sit in jail. He was just going to sit in jail then, right? Yeah. So what is this dude? Is he just like the Joker in, in the Dark Knight, a dog chasing cars, right? Is that what it is? He doesn't have any kind of real plan. I That is a very good point. That is a very good point. No real plan. And anything that he does is only a reaction to something that happens to him. Mm-hmm. I don't understand this character. I think that Mickey Rourke does a good job of creating a personality, but a character has to have motivations that make sense. A character has to have like a method that makes sense. You know, he doesn't come off as like a crazy man, which would make sense for him to just be like doing whatever the next thing is, right? Right, right. But that's what he's doing. And he just comes off as an aggrieved, an aggrieved uh, person who, you know, wants to get back at somebody who did, did his dad dirty or whatever, you know? Right, right. So, so Hammer is so impressed by Vanko's attack that he does break the Russian out of jail, fakes his death, and hires Vanko to make armor suits for Hammer's company in an attempt to upstage Tony. This is weird because at this point there's technology to do autopsies and figure out if that's actually Vanko or not. Well, that too, that too, but it's even weirder when you think about if Hammer had just waited maybe three days, Rhodey would have just showed up with the military with a fucking Iron Man suit and he could have reverse engineered it and made them anyway. Yeah, maybe, but then... No, maybe. He could have done yeah. it. He upgraded mm -hmm. the, iron, the, the war machine armor. Yeah, but he sucks at it. Nothing works. 
So that's why I say maybe. Oh, maybe he could have done that. I see He's what you mean. not very good at what he does. It would just waltz in the door for him. Right. If he'd just wait. Right. But he doesn't just wait. Yeah. So my problem here with Hammer is that his impatience, uh, he, like, he's impatient and he just doesn't, like, he doesn't know Rhodey's going to steal Right. I was going to say, he doesn't but, know that he's going to get that. But instead of trying to figure something else out, he breaks a crazy Russian dude out of jail, an unpredictable Russian dude, out of jail, brings him to his facility and has him make armor for him. But I think this makes sense for that character because Justin Hammer does not come across as a smart and thoughtful person. He's he's rash. He's not smart. He's not good at what he does. He's a show person. He's good with talking things up. He's good at presenting. But with the actual follow through, he's terrible. So it makes sense to me that he wouldn't think through like, oh, I should come up with a safer plan. More like, I want that guy. Okay. So I'm going to go break him out. Okay, I'll give you that. Vanko designs drone suits instead of armor, and he says, "You know, he's like he says drone better. He says they'll they'll be better at this. Mm-hmm. No matter what Hammer wants, he's only going to make these drones." Meanwhile, still thinking that he is dying, Tony causes a scene at what he believes to be his final birthday party, fueled by the suggestion from Natalie that he should do whatever he wants if he thinks that that's going to be his last birthday ever. Tony gets drunk while wearing the Iron Man armor, which enrages Rhodey for some reason. And Rhodey steals one of Tony's other prototype armors, beats up the dying superhero, and then makes off with the armor, delivering it to the U.S. military bosses against Tony's wishes. Now, quick question here. This is weird. Yeah, quick question here. Who the fuck does Rhodey think he is to tell Tony what he can and cannot do with his own fucking armor that he made and he created? Now, I'm not going to defend billionaires. I will never defend billionaires. But here is the thing. Tony came up with it. Tony created it with his very own hands. Mm -hmm. Rhodey has no place to tell him what to do with it. Right. It's not the property of the U.S. government. Even though the U.S. government does think they they can go in and take whatever they want. And they do. But his best friend, Tony's best friend, steals his fucking armor and takes it to the military. But that's because he's a good military boy. Nope. Friendship (laughs) over. We're not buddies anymore, Rhodey. I'm not making you fucking leg braces so you can walk again. I'm not doing any of that shit. We're done. You and me, done. It's also interesting, though, that we find out later that they're supposed to be security measures on these suits that wouldn't have allowed that. So why did Tony waive those so that way he could get in and he fly set off? it up. He set it up. It was always set up that Rhodey was going to be his partner, mm. that Rhodey was going to work with him. He mm. was go- he the reason Rhodey can get into the suit and use it at all is that Tony created it so that Rhodey could also use it. He trusted him. Mm-hmm. And he was betrayed by him. Yeah. Rhodey's a shit character. In the movie, in this movie, Rhodey's a shit character. Yeah. He takes over the Iron Man mantle in the comics when 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 Tony is like when he when he succumbs to alcoholism and he's living on the streets, Rhodey becomes Iron Man so that he can keep up the, the illusion that Iron Man is separate from Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. He's helping his friend out. Here he's just stealing for his military masters. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all he's doing. I don't agree with this character turn at all. I don't either. I don't like it. Yeah. Because I really like Rhodey a lot through the rest of the series. Yeah. 
this moment though is is tough because it's like he this just doesn't seem like this character that we come to know later you know I'd like to think that he would be more loyal to Tony than he is to the military, but he's not. He's more loyal to the military than he is to his friends. Friends be damned, he's going to do whatever his bosses tell him to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next day, Tony is approached by Nick Fury, and he reveals that, number one, Natalie Rushman is actually Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow. She's been a double agent for S.H.I.E.L.D. this whole time, gathering intel on Stark's activities and the palladium poisoning that he has been subjecting himself to. Fury further reveals that Tony's father, Howard, was actually one of the founders of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, in the comics, Tony creates S.H.I.E.L.D. or helps create S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. The agents give Tony an injection that will slow the palladium poisoning, giving Tony the time that he needs to come up with an alternative core for the arc reactor. Fury further explains that Anton Vanko and Howard Stark created the arc reactor together, but Howard had Vanko deported when Vanko tried to sell the plans to the tech. The Soviets sent Vanko to a gulag for working with the Americans when he was deported. So he's giving him all the reasons why... Ivan right. would come for him. Right. Doesn't tell him he's alive, does he? I was trying to figure out how Tony figures out that Ivan's alive. He calls him. Ivan calls him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we get there. Fury also gives Tony some of Howard's old work, which includes a diorama of the 1974, not 1874, like it says in my fucking notes here. Why did I put 1874? Typo. Typo? Mm-hmm. Or... I thought it was the Old West. 1974 Stark Expo. And the the diorama holds the key to the atomic structure of a wholly new element. With Jarvis's help, Tony creates the new element, and then he uses it to replace the palladium core in his arc reactor. Then when Vanko calls Tony, and Tony finds out that he's still alive, Tony races to the Expo, or an expo, not the expo, not the Stark Expo, because while the Stark Expo is going on, Hammer's having a Hammer Expo. No, he's doing a display at the Stark Expo. Is it the Stark yeah, Expo? it is the Stark Expo. He's doing a show there. Oh. It is the Stark Expo. So he's just trampling on Tony's... No, like... he said he told... So back in Monaco, Hammer said that he was going to have a... a what are they called? Like an entry or display or... I don't know what it is. Uh, a know. show... At the Stark Expo. Presentation. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, you're welcome. So he was going to have a presentation at the Expo, and he's talking about Tony's Expo. Oh. So he he had a slot to do a presentation at that Expo. He paid for his fucking table, and he was like, let's go. Yeah, it's like a a booth at the job fair. Booth at the Comic-Con, man. He's out there like, hey, come check out my my cool art Yep. or whatever, Mm -hmm. or, you know, Ivan's cool drones. Okay, so that makes that makes a whole lot more sense. I must have missed that line. This is not a movie that I've watched multiple times. I've seen it a few times, but not a ton. Because, again, not one of my favorites. But, so, okay, so Tony races to the Stark Expo, and he arrives just in time to see Hammer revealing the drones that Vanko made for him. But not only that, Rhodey, in a weaponized version of the Iron Man armor that he stole from Tony, mm-hmm. now dubbed War Machine. So nice. Yeah, so not only did he steal it, 
he let people make alterations to it. And then he fucking wore it to the expo to show it off. Yeah, to Tony's expo. Rub it in your face, man. I don't like this version of Rhodey. Rhodey is a dick in this movie. He's a straight up dick in this movie. Yeah. Who fucking does that? If I look, any friends that are listening to this, if you do shit like this to me, we're done. We're done. <laughs> done. Done. Anyway. Just as Tony is arriving, Vanko takes control of the drones via remote and also takes control of the war machine armor, and then he attacks Tony. So now it also looks like, from Tony's eye, it also looks like Rhodey is attacking him as well. Not only did he steal the armor, (laughs) not only did he bring it to his military friends, not only did he allow Justin Hammer to make, make... modifications to it to turn it into a machine for war, literally dubbed war machine, not only did he allow allow Stark or Hammer to bring it to the Stark Expo, he wore it for him to present it, and he's shooting at Tony. That's strike 18, man. Fucking 18 strikes or some shit. I didn't keep track of it, but that's a lot of strikes. Yeah. Especially if you're looking at it from Tony's point of view. He doesn't know the backstory. He doesn't know that Vanko's controlling it. No. But Not at first. Rhodey does tell him. Right. He's able to still talk to Rhodey. And right. then Rhodey's like, this isn't me, man. Right. But from the jump, like when you first show up and your friend's shooting a freaking Gatling gun at mm-hmm. you from his shoulder, you're like, wait, I thought we were cool. Right. No. You're not cool. You guys weren't cool. What, the minute you jumped into his armor and walked out, you or flew out, you weren't cool. That's just the way it is. So. Hammer is arrested for breaking Vanko out of prison. Black Widow and Happy go after Vanko at Hammer's facility. While Vanko escapes, the Widow is able to break control over the War Machine armor, and Tony and Rhodey work together to defeat Vanko's drones, and then eventually Vanko himself, because he shows up with his whiplash armor on, or his whiplash whips. Yeah, so real quick, the Black Widow scene... And yeah, the break in, happy the, the, where they're the breaking in. Yep. That is one of my favorite kick-ass scenes with Black Widow. She is so awesome in this. Her hair is a little wonky. That wig they have on her is yeah. a little weird. Or if it's her real hair, they have it curled weird. I think it's a wig, but I just love. It. Apparently, she trained for months to be able to do all this stuff. Oh, really? And I think it looks great. I thought she looked badass doing this stuff absolutely i thought it was cool this is exactly what i would expect from black widow like now i've so i haven't read a lot of avengers comics but i did read a few black widow comics for a while there and mostly when marvel had put out their mature readers line max Mm -hmm. they had done a couple of black widow series that dealt with like the red room and dealt with like her life before and leading into like her becoming an avenger and that sort of thing and so Having read those comics coming into this movie, I was thinking to myself, if they can if they can pull this off, this could be really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And she really does. So like, Scarlett Johansson sells the shit out of this. She's really really good in this scene. Yeah, and then Happy trying so hard, and he got one down. He and... took care of that one guy. It's fine. <laughs> he helped. He did help. Good she, for you, Happy. <laughs> she unloosened it for him. So I know unloosened isn't the right word. Right. You know. So it turns out that Vanko 
had put a self-destruct feature into the drones. And when Vanko is defeated by Tony and Rhodey, he kills himself by detonating them all in a final unsuccessful attempt to kill Tony. Afterwards, Tony is debriefed by Nick Fury, who tells him that Agent Romanoff has designated Tony as undesirable for the Avengers initiative, but that S.H.I.E.L.D. would still like to use Iron Man as a consultant. Tony's like, no, 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 you, you can't afford my fee, but I'm willing to waive it if you will help me out with one thing. Mm-hmm. He and Rhodey are going to be getting medals from the government, mm-hmm. you know, like recognizing their heroism. And he wants the senator that was grilling him over the Iron Man armor to be the one that presents him. Now, this is this is exceptionally funny for me because... I love it. it it's great. Yeah, absolutely. What I didn't point out, if anybody that's listening that hasn't watched the movie, I'm sorry, but what I didn't point out is that they it was a very contentious grilling. Like, mm-hmm. they were going back and forth. It ends up with the senator saying, fuck you. It's, of course, bleeped because he's on TV, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. But... It's very contentious. It's obvious that they don't like each other. And Stark, of course, wants to poke the fucking bear mm-hmm. by making this dude this is pin the metal on him. a total Tony Stark move. This is a Tony Stark <laughs> move. Absolutely. 100%. This also is interesting now looking back because can I talk about what's going to happen in a later movie? We've, Are we've we okay? been doing that. Okay. <laughs> so later we find out that this senator is actually part of, Sh- of Hydra. Shield. Hydra. Thank yeah. you. He's part of Hydra. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the senator really wants this tech yeah. for Hydra. There's going to be a lot of people that, I mean, you know, as we're watching through this, I'm noticing yeah. people and I'm like, holy fuck, that guy's Hydra later. Do yeah. we know that? The, does he, did, do we, did he know at that point that he was going to be Hydra or is this just brand new? Like, I don't. Uh, I'm assuming that he, at this point, that dude is Hydra. Well, I know the character is yeah. in the in the lore of the films, but I mean, did Gary Shandling know that eventually he was going to be playing a bad guy, bad guy, or is he just think that he was playing a dickhead senator? I wonder if he was brought back later to kind of tie some of that together. That that seems to make sense to me, but you never know. Kevin Feige might have had all of this like plotted out a little bit, you know, like That's okay, possible. we're going to pull you know, X character out of this one to be, come back later so that yeah. we, we connect this dot to that dot. Well, that, I mean, that's that's part of yeah. that whole playbook that they yeah. have or that, that yeah. Bible that they have. Absolutely. So he but, might have that, but it's also possible they're just like, oh, we need a Hydra person. Oh, let's pull this guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know? think that that's what happened. That's more likely that what happened. But like, I was still like eyeballing him like, okay, so he's going to be Hydra later. Should I pay specific attention to specific things that he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing really that kind of tells it. No, not But here. still, it just it's it's fun because knowing what you know, going back, you have a different lens as you're watching the film, right. you know? So so he does. He gets that. And then uh, they pose for pictures Oof, at the ceremony. The end. The end. And then we get the credits. And we'll talk about the end credit scene here in a little bit because mm-hmm. that's our, we're separating that out here. Jen, do you have any additional notes you want to talk about as we're going along? Here? I have a couple things. When Ivan first gets broke out of prison, he's brought into this giant white like hangar area. Yeah. That, to be put on a plane, right? Yeah. That, yeah. that hangar is actually owned by Elon Musk. And that's his SpaceX facility in Hawthorne, California. The people walking around in the background are actual employees. 
And then, of course, Elon Musk is in this film. Every time I see him in here, I'm always like, blah. (laughs) But I just thought I'd point that out. I don't know if that was kind of like, I want to be in this movie. Oh, let us use your SpaceX hammer or hanger. Who knows? I don't know. But anyways, that is his. Interesting. The other thing is John Favreau does not direct Iron Man 3. Yeah. The reason why is there was a ton of issues with the Marvel higher-ups constantly intervening in this script. So he was having to do rewrites on the script as they were filming, trying to do the shooting. And so he just got really frustrated with it. And he just said no when they asked him to direct Iron Man 3. Oh, wow. So they offered it to him and he was like, Mm -hmm. F off. You guys won't leave me alone. Yep. It's interesting that three movies in and they're already fucking with stuff. Right. I mean, it's just typical studio bullshit, but you'd think that Marvel being the fledgling studio that they are wouldn't, would keep their hands off. Like hire somebody that knows and let them fucking cook, you know? Let Kevin Feige do his damn job. Now- it's important to remember that Kevin Feige at this time was not Kevin Feige. He right. was just the dude that was producing the stuff. Right, he was. You but, know? I mean, if you're going to hire somebody or you're going to take on these projects, don't you have to have some kind of trust in these guys' creative process and how they do things? One would think so. And also, you'd have to believe that that Kevin Feige would have at least some nerd credit at this point knowing that he successfully made a C-list character in Iron Man into a superstar and then did the same thing with the Hulk. Yeah. You know? Well, the Hulk wasn't a C-list character, but you know what I mean. Like, he made another, like, big movie in the Hulk. Yeah. He's got nerd cred, you know? Yeah, I... Why wouldn't you just let him do his thing? Yeah, I don't get it. I I mean, I kind of get it because, you know, they're wanting to make sure they're making money and stuff, but, I mean... You guys are here to make the money. These guys are here to do an artistic project. Mm -hmm. Stay in your lane. I mean, obviously, you don't... Stay in your lane. You're going to mess it up. They have a process. Let them do their process. Let them tell the story that they envisioned and keep your fingers out of it. If you let John Favreau do what John Favreau is known to be capable of doing, you get Iron Man 1. If you have studio interference, you get Iron Man 2. Mm Mm-hmm. Iron Man 1 was the kind of film that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is known for up until the point that Disney really starts to dig in. Mm-hmm. Probably mid, the final, mid, what is it, phase three is about when you start to realize, oh, oh, okay, some of this seems a little disjointed. Now, I'm not saying that it's all bad. I'm saying, mm-hmm. it, and of course, it builds to a fantastic set of films, but... It's when I first started noticing that some of it just didn't feel right. And it has to do with studio interference. If you want movies like Iron Man, you need to hire maverick directors like Favreau and let them do what they're creatively capable of doing. Yeah. You can't... This is why Edgar Wright stepped away from Mm Ant-Man. The original, the first Ant-Man. Yeah. Which is why I say that this is kind of where it really... That's where I started to see the seams a little bit. Because Disney wouldn't leave him the fuck alone to make a movie. Now, this is a dude that's made Shaun of the Dead. This is a dude that made Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, probably one of the best comic book movies ever made. And you're going to tell him how to make the movie? Right. I mean, I get you want to have some control over it, but you need to put up, give him the parameters and let him let him roll. Just let him go with it. Yeah. And they yep. needed to do that with Favreau, too. It really bothers me that Marvel was doing this before Disney even became an issue. Right. Right. So they just kept up because Disney always does this. Yeah. But Marvel was just like, we're going to do what Disney does. It's like, fuck you, man. Let them work on it. 
Mm-hmm. Or they just do their own thing. And every, I mean, it's probably something that happens at every studio, not just Disney Studios. I will so. tell you 100% that it happens in the comics too. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. No, you can't do that. This character can't act that way. Why the fuck not? It's a character, a fictional character. I can do whatever I want. Right. Yeah. You want some alternate casting? Yeah. All right. So for Justin Hammer, Al Pacino. What? I think he would have been fine, but I'm glad they went with what? Sam Rockwell because he's aged. Because I guess in the comics, Justin Hammer, he's older. Is that true? He is. Yeah, he's older. Yeah. So so they were first thinking kind of comic book, but then they decided to go with a younger. So that way it felt more of a rival sure. to Tony Stark. Yeah, than, that makes sense. That makes sense, person. but I and, and I appreciate them wanting to be more comic accurate. But here's my problem with that: Al Pacino is never playing a role anymore. Like in the '70s, Al Pacino played a role, but later on, all those roles were just Al Pacino. Yeah. So I would not have been able to take myself out of the whole. Oh, that's Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam Rockwell is perfect for this because I don't even think that about Sam Rockwell when I'm watching him do this. Mm-hmm. I'm just watching him riff on whatever the hell he's doing yeah you know yeah in the same way that like heath ledger just kind of dropped into the joker you know mm-hmm. or i don't know marlon brando dropped into colonel kurtz you know you just watch it just like they just get absorbed into these characters and that's mm-hmm. how that's how sam rockwell is for me mm-hmm. you know al pacino is not that guy yeah so, right anyway go on sorry for howard stark tim robbins Tim Robbins would have totally worked for that. And the reason I know that is because of the Hudsucker Proxy, which is a Coen Brothers movie that I absolutely adore. All right. Then for Natasha, Emily Blunt was actually offered the job, but she turned it down because of a scheduling conflict. Me personally now, I I know Emily Blunt can do action stuff. She was in Edge of Tomorrow. She was very good in that. I enjoyed that movie. But I don't know. I just, I really like Scarlett Johansson as... Black Widow, so much so that I she's one of my favorite characters. So I just feel like, well, Emily Blunt maybe would have been okay with mm-hmm. it. I just I, I can't think about that beyond because I just think Scarlett Johansson is Black Widow. It's it's the well, this is gonna sound a little weird, but it's the Mike Myers versus Chris Farley Shrek thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like what could have been is we could have had Emily Blunt as the Scarlet Witch or Scarlet, sorry. <laughs> not the Scarlet Witch as the Scarlet Johansson. Not even as that. <laughs> It's a it's a color and an animal, right? <laughs> yep. So I got to mix yep. up Scarlet. Okay, so we could have had Emily Blunt as Black Widow, and we would have been fine with it because she is a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. She is capable of doing action scenes. Mm-hmm. We've watched her do it before. She's really really good. She's a really good actor, and I would have been completely fine with that. Mm-hmm. But my problem is when I think of Black Widow now in film, I only think of Scarlett Johansson. Me too. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, it's just like the Shrek thing. Chris Farley was originally supposed to be Shrek. There's test footage out there on the internet. You can go and watch it. It, I love Chris Farley. I mm-hmm. love Chris Farley, his humor. I always laugh at his humor. He's a funny dude, okay? Mm-hmm. Was a funny dude. Him as Shrek is the most unnatural thing I've ever watched. And it's not because he's not a good actor. It's because Mike Myers is Shrek. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So like for me, thinking about Emily Blunt as Black Widow would almost, to me in my head, she looks like a stunt double for 
Scarlett Johansson. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. no offense to Emily Blunt, because again, she is fantastic. Oh, I love, She's a great actor. Yes, I love her. Like, she is another one of those actresses yep. where, oh, Emily Blunt's in it. I want to see it. Sure. Even yeah. like Jungle Cruise, which I knew that was going to be a terrible movie, but I wanted to see it because it had The Rock and Emily Blunt in Emily it. Emily Blunt so. <laughs> is one of those actors, like great actors with capital G, capital A. Great actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's going to be one of those ones that people study later. Yeah. You know, she's that good. She's good. Yeah. She could have pulled that off, but Scarlett got there first. And so now when I look at it, I'm telling you in my head, it's like that <laughs> yeah. scene in, in Spaceballs where like, you idiot, we've captured their doubles, you know? Yeah. They're stunt doubles. That's what I can think of now. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's it. That's all you got? That's all I have. Do you have any notes? Otherwise, we can go to the Stan Lee cameo. I want to just point out one other real quick thing that yep. I didn't get to. When, when Don Cheadle's version of Rhodey is introduced, I do like the way that they wink at the audience. Early on, he walks in, and it's into the hearing, right? The The government calls him oh, in. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Tony's like, is it you? It's you? And Don Cheadle's Rhodey says, hey, it's me. Deal with it. Yeah. Love that wink. I love it because they're saying, hey, people are going to notice this because Rhodey was a major character in the second, the first movie. He's a major character in this movie. They're going to notice the difference, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, Terrence Howard and Don Cheadle look nothing alike. To wink at the audience and be like, deal with it. Yep. Says yep. everything about... Now, there was a huge uproar, a huge uproar when they said that they were going to move on from Terrence Howard and go into... And go into the next movie with Don Cheadle as Rhodey. People were like, Terrence Howard was perfect for this role. Why are you taking him out of this? He was supposed to wear the armor. He even says he's going to wear the armor in the first movie. Mm -hmm. People were pissed. Wizard Magazine was running shit all the time about like, oh, letters from people that were just like mad about it. Like really mad. So I love that they were like, tough shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just deal with it. Get over it. <laughs> also, I need to say it one more time. Tony, uh, Rhodey's a dick in this movie. A complete fucking dick in this movie. Yes. And they kiss and make up by the end of it, basically. Mm -hmm. Tony Tony doesn't hold a grudge, apparently. He stole his proprietary... Now, why don't they ever follow up on that? Because the military definitely has copies of that Iron Man armor. At least right. blueprints. At least they reverse engineered something. Right. They're not going to sit on that and do nothing with... Oh, sorry, Tony. Oh, we didn't know he took it without your permission. Sorry. No. They don't give a fuck. They've got it. They're going to make more. Yeah. Why aren't there more? I don't know. Mm. I have no idea. That's a dropped storyline, and I don't like it. Anyway, so let's do, let's go on. Let's move on, then. Let's do our thing. Let's talk about the Stanley cameo, and then we're going to do the after credits? Or yes. Is that what we're doing? Okay. All right. Yep. So Stanley cameo, he is, I think it's on the red carpet, and he is Larry King. Larry King, yeah. Yeah. Really quick. I yeah, mean, it is like quick. Doesn't even a, get a second, line in. two yeah. seconds. It is quick. And if you blink, you really think it's Larry King at first. Right. Yeah. Yes. But then you're like, whoa, 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 wait. That was Stan, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I got uh, re to reiterate. I, I feel like, now we already talked about who created Iron Man in the last one. In the last Iron Man one, not the last mm -hmm. episode. But I really wish they would have brought in some of these other act these other creators in some way shape or form to help to help craft this mm -hmm. a little bit you know mm -hmm. there's some movies that they do i think oh is it thor thor i think thor has some of the other creators thor, in there thor is written by j michael straczynski the guy who brought asgard to earth and hovered it over oklahoma 
Mm, okay. That whole stuff on Earth with Thor mm-hmm. is straight out of J. Michael Straczynski's playbook from oh, his his, interesting. his run. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, we'll talk anyway, about that next week. We will talk about that next week. So, um, cameo done. Alt- alternate ending or not alternate, alternate ending. ending where are you what's going I don't on over know. here i'm I don't in an see alternate in universe let's go you with are. ending credits. oh my god the multiverse is until later focus <laughs> get it together woman come on <laughs> <laughs> so what happens in that end scene so the post credit scene shows agent phil colson who was sent to new mexico earlier in the film arriving in new mexico in the desert to find an enormous crater with a rather large hammer at the center of it. And he calls Nick Fury to let him know, we found it. Now, I want to talk about a little something called a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. Did you watch this? No. Okay. It's a little three-minute featurette that was on the... I want to say it was on the Captain America First Avenger DVD set back in the day, way back in the day when they first came out. Okay. but And they're on Disney Plus now, I think. So if you're watching these on Disney Plus as, as we're going along, you can watch these. This is a precursor to Thor. It's a, it's a, it's basically Coulson driving to the Hammer site in New Mexico, and he stops at a gas station, and he thwarts like a crime, but he can't decide whether he wants powdered donuts or chocolate donuts. And it ends with him arriving at the dig site. Mm. So it's literally butts right up to this this scene. Okay. Which I thought was cool. I loved that they did this. They were called shortcuts. They were called Marvel shortcuts. And they don't exist anymore. Mm. They were doing them. Every time you'd get a DVD or a Blu-ray set, there would be a shortcut on there that had... Or no, not a shortcut. One-shots. Marvel one-shots, which is a comic book thing. A one-shot is one issue... That's not an annual. It's just like a random out in the middle of the world. Hey, look, there's a Wolverine one shot. Let's see what that's about. You know, mm-hmm. these were woven into the timeline. There's going to be other stuff and I'll bring them up as we go. All right. Yeah. So funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. It's cute. It's three minutes long. It's not a big investment, but you get to see what Coulson is, a, is capable of. Yeah. hundred percent. Get to see what he's capable of before you see what he's capable of in the Avengers. Which is a few movies down the line, so right, right. That's that. So, all right, that's that. Then, right? We don't have anything else, but uh, I'm, our I'm out. So ratings. Yeah. So let's talk about it. What What do you rate this out of five stars? Where do you Where do you Where does this sit for you? So I'm going to give this movie a three. This is a definite middle of the road movie for me. Okay. I didn't. I don't hate it, mm-hmm. but I don't love it. Right. I agree. It's probably my least favorite of phase one yeah. when i kind of think about the movies that are in phase one it's probably my least favorite yeah i still like ivan vanko i think his motivations like you were saying are stupid but i like the character and i wish they could have done something more with him because i think that would have been interesting yeah. it would have also been interesting if they had a better storyline for him don't kill him off on the end and maybe bring him back. Why do they always kill all these bad guys? I mean, why don't we have some overarching interesting point. bad guy stuff? I know we have Thanos later. Later, yeah. Loki um, is a character that Loki, recurs. But he's back and forth. He goes back and forth from bad to good to bad to good. Oh, no, Loki's all... never bad or good. Loki is just there for Loki. Whatever serves Loki yes. is what he will do. Right, but sometimes that's 
Sometimes he's on the side of the angels and sometimes he's on the side of the devils. Absolutely, 100%. But I would not categorize him as a villain. So I think I misspoke when I said that. Yeah. But anyways, I think that maybe would have been a little interesting. Maybe not right away, but you could bring him in a few movies down the way again. I don't know. The plot parts where we we talked about this with the Monaco stuff, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I agree 100%. I do think the whole... Um, the whip and the car and him trying to get his case that's exciting you know I, I wish they could have made it make more sense because <laughs> it was exciting how what happened at the end the action is very good yes You're absolutely correct yes, yes. I, I like all of that Um, but make it make sense to me please <laughs> I like Justin Hammer I like mm-hmm. how Sam Rockwell portrays him yeah. he is one of those bad guys who's not smart but he's still going to get away with shit because he's got money. And Hammer could come back. He's a bad guy. He didn't yeah. get killed. No, he's in jail. So he could come back. And I love Sam Rockwell. Like, yeah. I think everything I've... He's not one of those actors where I'm like, ooh, I got to go see Sam Rockwell in this. But yet, every time I've seen him in something, I'm like, oh, he's good. I like him. He's Even in good. the Poltergeist remake, because that thing was an absolute piece of toilet paper I don't with think poop I've on it. I've seen that. Yes, so. you did. We saw it did in we? theaters together. Yep. Okay, it's blocked from my brain. Because so. it's poop on <laughs> toilet paper is what it is. Yeah. Sorry, Sam Rockwell. You made you Bad choice, man. I don't know if you were just trying to make a buck, which I do not blame you for at all. But wrong buck to make, man. <laughs> Jesus. I do like Don Cheadle as yeah. Rhodey. Don Cheadle is a fantastic actor. It should, it should, as much as I hate Rhodey, Don Cheadle yeah. is a fantastic actor. And the other part that I don't like about this that probably doesn't put this up to closer to a four where I have the first one is what they do with his character. I do think mm-hmm. him stealing that stuff and taking it, I, I think they're trying to go for that while he's friends with Stark, he's a good military boy and he's going to do what his superiors tell him to do. But I feel like that's not really Rhodey's character. And that's not um, going to be his character later. Yeah, and later, that's not his character. Yeah. He doesn't go by everything they tell him to do. And, In fact, and But he maybe goes that's growth, like, but he, maybe that's what we're supposed to take as growth later. That maybe, but he directly defies his military uh, commanders yeah. later. Yeah, I don't know. So I do have a problem with that part of the movie, too. So that's why I'm leaving it out of three, because I still will watch this. I still enjoy it. I love the introduction of Natasha Romanoff. I love her and Happy, uh, their fight scenes together. They're they're (laughs) funny. It makes me laugh. Um, I still enjoy this movie. It's just, it's got some issues. So it's kind of one of the lower end MCU movies for me. Sure. How about you? Okay, so I'm going to go with two and a half, and it sounds worse than it is, but when you think about it, two and a half is middle of the road. That's a perfectly serviceable movie. This is a perfectly serviceable movie. It is not, by any stretch of the imagination, a good movie. I enjoy parts of this movie, but there are points that you've already made that, like the character assassination of James Rhodes, not okay with me. The dude is not that ruthless. He's just not he's not going to be proven to be that ruthless even later in the movie series. He's just not that guy. He's acting out of character here. Mm-hmm. Vanko his motivations are fine. It's his methods that are completely muddy. Like what what was his plan? Right. What was his plan? Just like whip Tony Stark and then go to jail, huh? Just going to sit in jail thinking, yeah, I showed him. Ha ha ha, right? Like what what the fuck? He's a good character but a bad villain. Mm-hmm. Like, what was his plan? What, 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 what? Like, if Hammer had not broken him out of jail, there wouldn't even be a movie. 
No. <laughs> this wouldn't even be, the plot wouldn't even make sense. Like, he has to break him out of jail for this, for right. him to get his revenge. Yep. There's no, that like, again, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. Maybe there's stuff that's left on the cutting room floor. Maybe Justin Thoreau shouldn't be writing scripts for things like this. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. But Vanko is not a compelling character. I do agree they kill off way too many of these villains, though, because in the comics, these guys come back all the time. They're always... Now, in the comics, of course, Dead isn't dead. In the movies, Dead isn't dead. But in the comics, for sure, Dead isn't really dead, mm-hmm. unless you're Uncle Ben. And the fact of the matter is, is that most of these characters that are nemeses are nemeses because they are recurring villains. They are the Joker to the Batman Right now, Whiplash mm-hmm. isn't that guy. It's Hammer. That's the Joker to the Batman of mm-hmm. Iron Man. I'm going to put it this way: if they kill off Magneto in the first X Men movie, I might tap out mm-hmm. because Magneto is essential to the balance of those characters. That would tell me that the people that are writing that don't understand the comic book characters. Because I even I'm not a comic book reader, but I've heard you talk about it enough, yep. and just being out in the world. <laughs> I mean, I understand that he's a big character. You've been the, you've been X-Men. to plenty of comic book shops as we've talked about. Yes. You know who Magneto is. Yes. Yeah. And you've seen the movies. Mm-hmm. Like he's a major character in almost yeah. every X-Men yeah. movie. I don't think they would do that. I don't think they're that dumb. But if they did, that would just tell me that they are not paying attention to their source materials. You don't think they're that dumb, but they haven't recast Kang yet. I, they might be that dumb. I, the only thing I could think about that recasting is there has got to be something in a contract that nope. says they won't or nope. something. Here's what it is. They have already spent millions upon billions of dollars putting his face on oh, everything. Oh, that's right. 100%, that is they don't right. want to lose the money on it. I but, read that. No, I read that somewhere, that there is a ton of merchandise out, and that is why they don't want to recast But him. here's the thing. If they pivot from Kang, guess what? It's going to get wasted anyway. Yeah. Because you're no longer working with Kang, you're working with someone else. I've heard Doom floated as who they might be working with. If you pivot straight to Doom, you're going to fuck everything up. Just stay the course, recast Kang, and move on. You've done it twice already. Yeah. In two movies, you've done it twice. Yeah. You can do it again. Yeah. And also, I mean, people might still buy that other one. Who knows? Oh, they'll become collector's items. Yeah. They. Yeah. Plus, so. who fucking cares about merchandise? The only thing that would... Only... Only entity that would give a two shits about what what they're going to do with all this merchandise is a fucking giant corporation. Mm-hmm. We humans don't give a shit about that. No. I don't fucking care who plays Kang. Keep the story going. Yeah. Entertain me. Tell me a good story. <laughs> Dance for me. You bring me fruit. Le- over there, you with the crown, you make jokes. Let's do this. Dance for me. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I, anyway, I'm going to get off my Kang soapbox here because I talk about this a lot. And I, I, I'm so fucking t- I'm tired, boss. I'm tired. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so that's, that's it. Then we're done with, we're done with this, right? We've got you three stars for you, two and a half for me, yep. right? And I feel like I might've just cut off what my explanation, but I feel like I've already, I've already explained a lot of it mm-hmm. as we were going, but I'm, I'm going with two and a half because it's again, not, not, not enjoyable, but not so enjoyable that you can rewatch it multiple times in a week, you know? Right. I don't know. It's not, <sighs> 
in the end, I think we'll find that this is probably one of my least favorite Marvel movies ever as far as the MCU goes. Interesting. Yeah. I It just has so many story problems. I could think of another one that I like less than this right off the top of my head. But Oh, you're going to tell me about that off mic because I want to know. Okay. All right. The rest of you have to you fucking have wait. You have to wait. Because next week we're just going to talk about Thor. Yes, Thor's next week. I'm excited for Thor. Yeah. That's right. Thor right here on the couch next week. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. You have been listening to A View from the Couch. Visit our new website, thecouchpod.com, where you will find a calendar of upcoming releases, links to our podcast episodes, and you can sign up for our upcoming newsletter. You can also email our host directly at view at thecouchpod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Every review helps us get noticed. Thanks for listening.